guys, welcome or welcome back to B&B Anime. I am Blue, and today I'm here with the very poorly, but still amazing, Brad. Ow, I just punched the wall. <laughs> I'm so expressive with my hands that I can't keep them contained. Look, if you're not going to punch the donut, don't punch the wall. That is that is true. And people who didn't hear last week's podcast are going to be like, What? <laughs> Look, if you if you hit a stud, you're going to break your hand, so you need to be more careful. Hit the soft, squishy thing. Hit <laughs> the squishy things. Um, but how are you, Brad, anyway? I know you're sick, but how are you doing? I'm great. I'll be fine. Everything is going well in my life. I do have a story to tell, though, before oh. we get too far into this. It has officially been confirmed that I watch too much anime. Let me explain. Mm -hmm. So, if any of... If anybody listening has watched enough anime, more specifically isekai animes, you will know about the Isuzu trucks, mm -hmm. like the big white box trucks. Mm -hmm. Well, the other day I was leaving work to go to Dunkin' and get coffee as I normally do because I'm a caffeine addict. Mm -hmm. And as I was turning out of the road behind work, one of those were coming my way. And mm -hmm. immediately, as soon as I saw this truck, the first thing that went through my brain was pull out in front of it, get hit, die, you get isekai'd, you could be the anime MC that you've always dreamed of being. This is your chance. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of my body was like, no, don't do that. You need no. to live. No. <laughs> Oh, that's you really still got a podcast to accomplish, like, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, don't do that because of the podcast, not because of all of the other things. Just because of the podcast. This is the highlight of my week, so I, this is going to be the main thing I care about as to why I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, screw family and friends. Podcast. Exactly. Screw getting good at tennis. Podcast. Hey, you can still be an anime protagonist at getting good at tennis. Yeah, but it's like I could get some awesome magical abilities if I die. Uh, and go you've to a magical seen Prince world. of Tennis. You are aware that there are awesome magical abilities that happen with tennis. Yeah, but that's not real, mate. It is real. I like. I heard. Uh, who was it? It was Tales from the Fandom. We were talking to him on his podcast when I was on his podcast. He was saying that when he went to Japan, there was a bunch of kids that were actually doing the crap from Pr Prince of Tennis. Like it, you can do that. You see, that just means that it's real and it's not magical. It is magic. Have you ever seen someone like roll a tennis ball along the top of the net? To have it perfectly land? I mean, I've done some pretty BS stuff while I've played, I'm not gonna lie. Like, some of my drop shots that I hit have so much backspin on them that it will literally hit on the opposite side of the net and then come back to my side before they have a chance to hit it. That's awesome. But that's that's about as... That's about as magical as it gets, and I know absolutely nothing about tennis, so the fact that I have the ability to put that much spin on my ball, and I've only been out there and maybe played 10, 15 times at this point, I'm pretty pleased. Mm -hmm. I can't complain about that. Yeah, I've never played tennis a day in my life, so I would be surprised if my arm just doesn't break as soon as it gets no, you see. One of these days, whenever we meet up, we're just going to have to play tennis, and I'm going to see if you have magically gain the ability to play tennis like I did after watching Prince of Tennis. Maybe. The only sport that I've played with, like, a racket or a bat has been cricket. Mmm. British things. A, a, uh, I suppose it's kind of a similar swing. No. But anyways, you're on a, a different podcast. 
aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I am. And it's also a podcast that you've been a part of. I have. Over a year ago now. And we talked about Prince of Tennis. Oh, well, what do you know? What do you know? We did talk about you on the podcast, though. Aww. Aww. But yeah, how was it? It was great. It was a really good experience. I enjoyed it. It was awesome just to be able to sit down and talk with David or Tales about just a whole lot of the stuff that I'm into from Dragon Ball to Metal Gear to Twitch streaming. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. However, it's also weird that we talk about streaming and yet here I am on a giant hiatus. Yeah, I know, right? But yeah, um, that's a friend. If, if any of you guys are interested, he's a good friend of ours. He's he's called David, but he is Tales of the Fandom podcast. You can find all the links on all of our social media. I'm sure we will be blowing it up tomorrow when the episode is released. So yeah, if you're interested in that podcast, it's more um, than just anime. For instance, like this particular one is, but it does include anime also talks about cosplaying basically he gets people on his podcast he has a new guest on pretty much every week sometimes they're overturning people and he talks to them about two or three topics that they are completely obsessed with they are part of the fandom of and he is a huge nerd himself all the people he gets on there are nerds and it's a great time he he uh, has a bunch of cosplays on there he has a bunch of, bunch of people that are into like D&D Lord of the Rings uh, Star Wars Star Trek Harry Potter all these kinds of different folks with uh, all their different strokes and it's a really really fun podcast really entertaining he's a great host uh, I recommend you guys go check it out and yeah all the links will be on all of our social media so if you're curious about that absolutely go have a look yeah seriously go check him out you don't even have to check out the episode that I'm a part of I'm sure y'all are sick of me enough by this point <laughs> He's a fantastic host. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. But that's enough about me and my week. How are you? Me? I'm good. I'm all right. Um, We're getting some painting done in the house in September, which is going to be fun. My mom has been... I know, Brad. Uh, For those who don't know Brad's day job, you you work at a paint store, right? I do. I work at a paint store. And I'm sure none of the colors that I sent you back months ago got picked. Kind of. They did give us a good basis of what we were trying to figure out to do, because we have these really orange cabinets in the kitchen. Gross. Yeah, they're not nice. And the varnish on them, yeah, they're really orange. And the 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 current colour that has been in this house since we moved in, which was 10 years ago, and that we were always like, oh yeah, we'll paint 10 years later. We still haven't painted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so, but the colour behind these really orange cabinets is like a purple burgundy, which makes them look so much more orange. It's, it, they're not, it's not a great combination. Gross. <laughs> yeah, it's really not nice. And then the other accent color in the room, because like we have a kitchen, dining room, sitting room that is all one space. And the other color that's, because that's in the kitchen, the other color that's in the sitting room and dining room is like this very, very pale puke kind of color. <laughs> that's <laughs> It's just puke desaturated. <laughs> that's how I'm going to describe it. Yeah, it's really not nice. I assume these were the colours that they originally painted the housing because the house was made in like the 80s, 70s, 80s kind of time. So it was like big mustards, big burgundies, that kind of like, that was really popular during that time. And I assume they tried to transfer that into home decor and decided to paint the walls that colour. Don't know why, but they did. 
And um, yeah, it doesn't go well on walls. I like mustard. I like burgundy. I don't like them on walls. Makes the room very dark. Not nice. Yeah, I could I could see that for sweaters, not not wall paint. Mm-hmm. I actually have a sweater that's burgundy and mustard, so I do like them, but not not on walls. <laughs> yeah, and and so we got in touch with a local lass, and she is just this is what she does. She just does freelance painting in people's houses and like deck staining and you know siding and and stuff like that. She's just a bit of a handyman, but specializing in paints. And so I'm um, I'm disappointed you didn't hire me. <laughs> you got. Dude, you have the worst back in the history of bad backs. Yeah, well, I also painted professionally for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, we're... if anybody can paint and knows colors, that's me. Ding. <laughs> and uh, um, also, uh, the borders are closed. Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, <laughs> um, that's just slightly stopping. That's just me. slightly stopping. Yeah. Um, if I get caught, so Mama's picked out a couple colors. Um, we're going for a nice green. Um, and, uh, uh, like a creamy kind of yellowy beige, I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know, like a, a cream, a, a very neutral off-white in the yellow variety to offset the orange in the cabinets mm. and, uh, and a green for the kitchen because green kitchens psychologically make you eat healthier. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. It's a, the whole color study that green makes you feel healthy. So you'll make healthier decisions while in the kitchen, like facts, science, psychology, Mm. Yeah, so, but also green is just a nice color for the kitchen because it makes it seem fresh and we have a lot of herbs and stuff that we grow. We actually, I have sage and lavender drying from the ceiling right now in the kitchen. So yeah, think apothecary vibes. And uh, yeah, so we're getting that done. So mom's pretty excited about that. She's been wanting to do that for forever and uh, it would just kept getting pushed off. And then we were going to do it at the beginning of this year and then COVID happened and nobody could come around anybody's houses and it was a whole situation. My mom was really disappointed. So she's happy now that she's found a gal who thinks that she can do the whole lot in a day and, and she's really affordable as well. So that's great. Hmm. Uh, hopefully that all works out. Mm-hmm, yeah. Hopefully it freshens everything up really nicely. I hope so too. But yeah, today we're going to be covering Darling in the Frank, Frogs, Franks, Frogs, I don't know. And before we get into that though, do we have any news? We do. We do have a little bit of news. Ooh. So a late background animator for Kyoto Animation's artist, her family has officially opened an exhibit for all of her artwork. Oh, that's fun. Mikiko Watanabe was one of the background artists on Violet Evergarden, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, Myriad Colors, Phantom World, and she was one of the people that had passed away during the arson incident that mm-hmm. happened at Studio One. Mm-hmm. And so her family has organized a art exhibit to be set up for all of her work because they thought her work was absolutely stunning. And after having seen all those shows, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. So I'm really happy that that's getting done. It's a really, like, it's a tragic thing to have happened. However, I'm definitely glad that she's getting some recognition. Yeah, absolutely. And then next piece of news. Guess who's back in the news today? <laughs> I don't know. Who? Crunchyroll. Again. Ah, okay. What's up this time? So they have announced that they're going to be doing new membership tiers this week. Oh, okay. So they're still going to have the free tier that... Everything will basically stay the same. All the simulcasted episodes you're still going to get a week later after they premiere in Japan and adds all that other fun stuff. And then they're 
current paid tier or what they have known as the fan tier is still going to be staying exactly the same as well. You have no ads, you still get stuff as they release week to week, all that other fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, the next new tier that they're adding is going to be called the Mega Fan Tier. Ooh. Ooh. And it's going to be $9.99 a month instead of the regular $7.99 a month. Mm-hmm. And in addition to all the stuff that's in the fan tier, it's going to have the ability to download episodes for offline viewing. Oh, okay. As well as being able to stream on four devices at one time. Ah, okay. Not only that, but you'll also get a special $15 off discount of $100 or more every three months to use on their store. So if you're like me and you enjoy statues, that's a good way to go if you like coupons. <laughs> yeah. And then. They are going to be releasing in the U.S. only a tier called the Ultimate Fan Tier, which Eh, is going to be... I can't be ultimate. You just got to go beyond plus ultra blue. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You can just mooch off of my Crunchyroll. (laughs) It's not like everybody else does not (laughs) anyway. At this point, I don't know who has and doesn't have my Crunchyroll in my life anymore. <laughs> I, I have my own Crunchyroll, but I don't have American Crunchyroll, so... Mmm. Well, you see, so you can use mine if you ever want to buy anything from the Crunchyroll store. Mm-hmm. And then ship it to Canada. <laughs> it's fine. You might have to pay extra shipping, but if you get the ultimate... I have to ultimate... pay extra shipping on everything anyway. I live in the middle of nowhere. No, uh, yeah, it's also true. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, when do you want this delivered? I'll just to the mountains. Speaking of, I still have not been able to order you that fucking hoodie. Mm, mm-hmm. So yep. life is life is great. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my life in the middle of nowhere, Canada. I I don't know if it's just because Spreadshirt doesn't like me trying to send something to Canada whenever I live in the U.S., but it still just keeps blocking my shit. I don't I don't get it. I I don't know, mate. This I don't is, know how to help you. This is what unhappiness feels like. <laughs> I'll just, maybe one of these days after the border eventually opens up, I'll just have to hand deliver you this damn sweatshirt. <laughs> just cycle all the way here. I got this. If I cycled from here to Canada, I would have calves of steel, mate. <laughs> if you cycled from there, if you did that, you would raise, I don't know, raise money for charity, run forest run, do something like that, because <laughs> mad, dude. I mean, I'm sure I could figure something out. You could vlog the whole thing and become a like famous YouTuber, being like, oh yeah, I'm cycling to Canada. And yet, so I can imagine the interviews now, why did you cycle from Tennessee all the way to Canada? <laughs> to deliver a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's great though, because that's so stupid that it would just work. <laughs> it would generate the most amount of buzz. Yeah, this idiot is cycling however many thousands of miles to deliver a hoodie. You've given me hope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, what's this tier? The ultimate fan tier is going to be $15 a month. It will include everything from the fan tier and the mega fan tier. And the biggest upgrade on it is going to be you can do six streams at one time. And you get a $25 off every $100 purchase for like once every three months. Right, okay. Not only that, but you will also receive an annual Ultimate Fan member swag bag and access to exclusive member-only merchandise. Ooh, very fancy. Yeah, super fancy. Yeah, you get to pick from three stickers that only members get. I mean, hey, if you've seen my water bottle, 
I'm only slightly a sticker junkie at the moment. That's but true. I'm also I'm out of space in my water collecting bottle. stickers as well because we put them on the van. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. I just, while I'm cycling and bringing you your hoodie, I can bring you all these anime stickers and you can have those too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure my dad would want anime stickers on his van, but hey, I could probably sneak one in at least. Mate, look, okay, I spent like $40 on stickers and I've used maybe, how many is on my water bottle? Like 20? So I still have hundreds of stickers left. (laughs) (laughs) Cover your PC in them. I will. Maybe whenever I downgrade my case to a smaller case, Mm. I'm going to keep my Senpai glass that I had custom engraved. And then I'm just probably going to cover that shit in stickers. Because how fitting. Yep, that works great. And then one of the last couple pieces of news that I have. Did you watch that trailer I sent you? Uh, I hate to break it to you. Mate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so bad. I was so bad at that. I was like, yeah, I gotta watch that. Yeah, I gotta watch that. I need to watch that. He put it in for the news. I gotta watch that. Mm-mm. It, I forgot. You're fired. I need a new host. I, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Fully accepting of the firing. Just just bring on the new one. That You know what? This calls for drastic measures. Can I hire Becky? Oh my god, you want to hire me? What's my wage? Two Starbucks a week. A week? Ah, I don't eat, like, I drink two Starbucks in a freaking half hour. If you want me to work for you for this podcast, you need to give me at least 20 Starbucks a day. Ask your dad. My dad is working. He works in a used car lot salesman, dude, and he just sold a Ferrari. We'll see. There you go. I think it was, like, kind of square looking and <clears throat> had a trailer on the back. And What? what? <laughs> <laughs> I know cars, okay? Uh, like, really well. You know what? You're fired, too. Shoot, go. Be lot. gone. I'll, I'll do this on my own. <laughs> <laughs> on your own? You prefer to be on your own rather than have uh, me or Becky? You I can tolerate. Becky, on the other hand. (laughs) Uh, So what you're saying is you want to rehire me and you regret your decision. No. Okay, then I'm just going to stick around for a while. So hope that is fine because you're just going to have to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now that we're past Blue's inability to watch trailers that I send, Crunchyroll has... (laughs) I'm sorry. I feel so bad about it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Anyway, Mm. (laughs) Crunchyroll has revealed the trailer for the theatrical anime called Burn the Witch. It's going to be premiering in, I think, October, and it's going to be premiering in Japan on October 2nd and premiering in the rest of the world, I think, on October 3rd. I forgot to screenshot that bit, but I think that's what I read. Nice. I'm pretty interested in it. Like, the world and everything that they've kind of built around it seems really interesting. So, and it's a film, so why not? Yeah, I'm, I, the, I don't know, I've kind of, the attention is grabbed from the, the screenshot that I saw of the, the thumbnail that I saw of the video. Animation looks cool. I'm, yeah, I'm down. It's about dragons and witches, so I figured you would be all over that as well. I am all over that. You guys, you, you know that I, I like the dragons, I like the witches. I am a hereditary witch in the sense that my granddad said he was a witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he used to make potions and things the witch <laughs> burn her <laughs> she turned me into a newt i got better oh uh, I, I just want to rewatch monty python 
Like, I've been in the mood to watch it, but nobody wants to watch it with me. They're like, oh, that's stupid. And I'm like, no, it's not. You How just have no Monty fucking Python, sense of Monty humor. Python is amazing. It is. Like, I guess the people I surround myself with have no sense of humor. Baka. No, they don't. They don't. What would you want to watch? The Holy Grail. The Holy Grail? Holy Grail's great. I think it's, like, it's probably in, like, my top ten films of all time, just because of how stupidly hilarious it is. Like, I can't so deal stupid. with it. All of the, all of the individual sketches and stuff as well are just as stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of links, did you, did you at least look at the anime protagonist glasses that I sent you? I did! I did, I did, I did. Is that, that not one I did. awesome? They're so awesome. So to those who are unaware... I sent Blue a link of how glasses in anime, whenever characters will push them up their nose, they'll get that white glint on them. Well, somebody has actually went and made light up LED glasses that whenever you push them up your nose, the lenses will just light up. It's so cool. It's I, I'm excited to see what that does to cosplay. Yeah, that that's a game changer for cosplay. Honestly, yeah. I'm excited to just be walking around a convention hall and there's just a person that's in seemingly normal casual wear and then you like catch a glimpse of them and they push up their glasses and only then do you register which character they are because they're just in like a hoodie and jeans but here's the thing though i wonder if you can see through them because if you watch the trailer which is how i found out about it they're only ever seen in home settings Mm -hmm. so i don't know if you can legitimately see through them or not huh so although they may be a game changer they may also be dangerous yeah well, I I don't know. I I'd have to. You'd have to get get your hands on them and see what they actually were. But yeah, I would I would hope that they are just glass that then lights up and frosts or so. I don't know how that would work. I am not technologically advanced. I'm not either. However, you know what is technologically advanced? What? The Sims Four. <laughs> okay. Although, although you're gonna hate this. Okay. Have you seen what the new game pack was that was revealed today? No, I haven't. Star Wars. Ugh. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Isn't there already Star There's already Star Wars stuff in The Sims 4. Well, it's like a it's true a game pack. Game though, pack. Right? It yeah. looks like it's going to be like Strangerville, but a Star Wars version. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I watched the trailer and I watched Simsy's review on it. Because mm-hmm. I don't understand why, but I enjoy watching Simsy's videos. They, <laughs> they're great and wholesome and they're fun to watch. Anyway, I watched a review on it too, and I'm just like, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't hate it, but I don't like it either. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think the Sims community is going to be too pleased about that, considering that we've been asking for some specific features for a very long time, and they've kind of given us half of what we want, or just not at all. For instance, like a color wheel for skin tones, because. The skin tones that they have in the game, specifically for darker skin tones, are not pretty. And so if you just put a color wheel in, which they do already have programmed into the game, because if you get the Cats and Dogs expansion, you can use a color wheel to change the color of your dog. So they have that as a feature that's already programmed, they just need to put it into skin tone. And then like hair color as well, you could do it for that too. And they haven't done that. And then another thing that people were asking about a lot for was um, spiral staircases. And they gave us an update where you can turn the staircase, but the staircase is still in block form and you can't actually make it rounded. So it's still square. And I know people were kind of up frustrated about that because they were like, well, if you're gonna give us this mechanic, why did you only give us like halfway what we wanted rather than all of what we wanted, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And it's not like Minecraft where everything is square because, it, I mean, there are round tables and round buildings and round, like, you know, round things exist in The Sims. They could have made a spiral staircase. Ah, I'm round. I guess I exist in Sims. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, things like skin turn, like, you shouldn't, uh, uh, that, that gets political a bit, so. Because mm-hmm. I know there was that, there was the spiral staircase, spiral staircases, I can speak. Mm-hmm. And then there was bunk beds, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot yeah, of stuff that people have been asking for, which <laughs> reading uh, EA's feedback on it, I'm just like, uh, you guys are kind of shooting yourselves in the foot with it. And then instead of bringing these features to the game or adding them in in packs mm-hmm. to where they could continuously, you know, be able to just like they're still making money off of a game that old and they can continue to do so especially if you added those features in with packs but instead they're just making a whole new game and are going to be making people start from scratch exactly and then we're gonna have to wait for all of the packs to come out again a guarantee that they're not going to be they're not going to change the things that we want no so if there's not a color wheel for skin tone in sims 5 i'm fairly certain there's going to be quite a bit of outrage and people boycotting the game oh i don't i don't doubt that in the slightest because i mean what kid because sims game the sims is a game for kids and Mm -hmm. imagine if you're like a kid and you can't make a sim a simulation a person who is supposed to be like you look like you because they don't have your skin tone Mm -hmm. like that's just messed up it is i agree completely yet they have purple you could be purple if you want to be or green or Or red or blue or literally white. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, you kind of just have your skin tone. Like, mm-hmm. it's stupid. Anyway. And then, last piece of news. The Nintendo Switch will be getting an upgraded model in 2021. Oh, okay. So, nothing as far as what's going to be upgraded mm-hmm. has officially been finalized. However, Nintendo has apparently been looking into more computing power and potentially the ability to do 4K. Oh, Okay. And not only that, but apparently they're looking to be able to upgrade the games to where they can be both more for casual gamers and for more hardcore gamers as well. Okay, cool. Cool. Hopefully it works out all right. I know I'm about ready to yeet my Switch through a window Mm -hmm. because I just now recently found out that my Switch is one of the versions that has the battery bug. Oh, okay. To where I could take it off the charger right now. And turn it on, and within two minutes, the battery reading would be at zero. Right. Now, the battery would still have plenty of power, but it doesn't read as such. Mm -hmm. So if I were to put it into sleep mode, it's going to think that it's actually dead. Okay. So, dumb. I just want to eat it out a window. Yeah. um, So if, so from your current knowledge of what the new Switch is going to be, Will you buy it, considering the fact that you already own a Switch, if you, like, if you get your Switch repaired, if it doesn't have the bug, would you buy the new Switch? No, because even then, it still wouldn't have the same power as even my PS4 Pro. Mm-hmm. And even my Pro doesn't stand up to my PC that I poured a lot of time, sweat, and money into. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make sense. Like, I got a Switch just solely to play, like, Pokemon and to have a handheld to where I can play Stardew Valley wherever I go because I fucking love that game. Mm -hmm. So it, to me, wouldn't be worth it. However, Mm -hmm. for people who that is the console that they own and they've put a lot of time, money, and effort into their game libraries and everything else on there, it 
could potentially make sense for them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I guess if you really enjoy AAA titles that don't necessarily cross over to the Switch well, like The Witcher 3, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But it just gives them more options. But for me, no, I I can't justify paying. Considering the Switch dropped at $300, I'm assuming they would probably try to charge 4 for that. Yeah. And I could literally throw in an extra 100 and go buy a PS5. Yeah. Whenever that drops in November. And I'll, I'll even have that sooner than when this is going to drop. So, no. Makes sense. Makes sense. But however, as someone who doesn't own one, does it entice you in any way to want to go out and buy one? Huh. Um, it makes it entices me to go out and maybe buy one of the original ones. Because as soon as they announce a launch of a new product, the price drops for the old guys. Mm-hmm. And so and they're like the same game compatible and stuff. And like I'm not a, a hardcore gamer. I game for streaming and I game casually in my own time and stuff but like i still play games on my game boy advance and my ds Lite. you know usually i play my game boy advance games on my ds Lite. but um i like i still play those games i still get enjoyment enjoyment out of those games i don't need to be the person with the technology that's the latest stuff because i don't i don't put a lot of strain on on my tech so yeah. I can completely understand if, like, you're a hardcore gamer and you game every second that you're, you're awake and you want to, you know, have the best of the best because you use it that much. But I don't think that I would. I would use it for, you know, anti-anxiety time or long car journeys or long plane flights or, you know, things like that. And and because of that, I, I don't think I don't need anything that's top of the range so i think it would entice me more to go back and look at some of the the other switches maybe even get one that somebody else is now selling because they're gonna buy the new one so they're gonna sell their old switch or whatever you know yeah that makes sense to me for Mm -hmm. sure because i mean it's like you said it's gonna drive the price down it's gonna make the switch even more accessible now here's the one thing that would potentially entice me into getting it even though i don't really casually game anymore if undocked, it has a longer battery life, mm-hmm. then maybe I would consider it. But in its current state, the Switch can't stay charged for longer than an hour if you're playing Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Whereas Stardew Valley, it'll last for three or four hours. But even on a game like Stardew Valley, that's not a long battery life whenever on a single charge our Game Boy Advances could, what, last days yeah. playing Pokemon? How many batteries did a Game Boy Advance take? That was three? I don't remember because I remember I I changed them so few times that like they just stayed. I don't even really remember my Game Boy Advance because I quickly got the SD whenever it dropped out because I like the little portable screen and the fact that it actually lit up. Yeah, that's why I I play um, my Game Boy Advance games on my DS Lite because of the lighting is better. Mm -hmm. And plus it's chargeable. Like that's what we need. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can have two games in it at once. Oh, yeah, so to switch back switch and forth. Between your games, yeah. Yeah, lucky there. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, I, I don't know if, uh, if you remember this, but like the chat rooms on um, DSs? Mm-mm. No, and, wait, and you... I kind of do, but I never really <laughs> used them. I think it was more or less my sister that did. 
Oh, no, I use them all the time with my with my friends. I, I think it was like you had to be within a certain distance of each other to be able to use them. Which was stupid, because if you were within a certain distance, you could just talk to people. But, um, yeah, I remember that. And uh, and filling in the screen until it was completely black. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, that was the type of, like, writing on it with the stylus. And, uh, yeah, that was so stupid. All of the different emojis that you had back then. So, you know what that just, like, brought a memory, like, out of the deepest depths of my mind of? Yeah. What? So I remember in school, whenever we would go to the library to play on the computers and how we would screenshot the desktop and then set it as the background and then remove all of the icons from the actual desktop to where nobody would be able to use anything on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that was great times. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you telling me that you did that to one of your teachers. Uh, that was great. I got in trouble for that. <laughs> A lot of us got in trouble for that, but it's fun times. That is funny. That is fun. Is that it for the news? That is. That is it for the news. Okie dokie. So, darling in the francs, uh, before we get started on background information and um, a brief summary, I did just want to mention that there are a couple trigger warnings for this show. Nothing so that it's like, but I mean, there's like death and gore and stuff. Um, but the number one one that really stood out to me that I wanted to make sure that you guys were well aware of is in episode 16, there's mention of um, controlled eating, dieting, and eating disorders. And I know that's a big trigger for a lot of people. And it's one that you probably wouldn't know was in the show until you watched it because it's not going to be in any of the descriptions or anything like that. So that's the biggest one that I wanted to mention. But then there is also like, it's the it's a show about a war. So there are things that come with that one as well. So fully aware of that. But background information, what do you got for us, Brad? Background info. So Darling in the Bronx was made by Cloverworks Studio, which for those who are unfamiliar, this was the same studio that made Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai and a show that we we're going to be covering very soon in October called The Promised Neverland. Mm-hmm. The show was directed by Atsushi Nishigori, is I think how you pronounce that. And his most notable works are he worked in the art department for Your Name, Kill La Kill, Gurren Lagann, and Spirited Away, which I thought was really interesting considering like this dude has worked as far as the animation department goes, and a lot of stuff and a lot of yeah, big titles. He's got some uh, credits behind him there. Mm-hmm. And then his other known director bit thingy, because I can't speak, or the biggest title that he's directed outside of this is The Idol Masters, which I know nothing about. I don't know either. Anyway, swiftly moving on. <laughs> The show initially ran from January 13th, 2018 through July 7th of 2018 for a total of 24 episodes. Mm -hmm. It was done in conjunction with the manga, which was written by Code 000, which I thought was a really interesting name to put yourself behind. Especially, yeah. Considering yeah, the show. Considering, considering the show. Now, here's what I did find interesting about all of this. Darling in the Frogs is a shonen. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, yeah, I could see it. But that's it is. There's a lot of stuff in there that is actually quite nice that is being shown to shonen in the shonen category. You know, mm -hmm. because like that's very relatable. Oh yeah, without a doubt. The initial run for the manga ran from January 4th of 2018 through January 26th of 2020. 
for a total of eight volumes. Yeah, I find that really interesting that um, the show and the manga, like the manga started just before the show started. So in the, while they were making it, the manga started. Mm-hmm. And then the show finished and the manga kept going. And because of that, and the manga being on a delay, after I think it's like volume three, there are huge differences between the two. And it really makes me want to go through and read the manga. Because as you'll see, whenever we get into the meat and potatoes of the actual topic itself, after episode 15, the show starts taking drugs. Yeah, I actually sent Brad a message while we were watching this and I was just like, am I tripping or is this the show? Because dude, it was, it, it, there's a few parts of it that are just like, oh, and then this happens and you're like, oh, okay. It kind of felt like, it kind of felt like it was written by a teenager on Wattpad after like a while. I'm not going to lie, whenever you told me that, I had to go and look up what the fuck Wattpad was. Yeah, okay, so Wattpad's a fan fiction site, uh, but it's not just fan fiction. People also write original stories or use it as a platform to promote original stories, and they have like competitions every year for like ranking different stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a good place to get started if you're an unknown author, or if you are looking for some fan fiction between, I don't know, Gandalf and the Sith Lord. I don't know. Um, and, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those sites where you could just go and and read a bunch of free stuff. And it felt like something that you would read on there because it was like logical, 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 logical. And then you get to a certain point and it's like, and then all of a sudden this happens. And then when you are not expecting it, then this happens. And then they have a relationship and then there's this and then... Oh no, just kidding. Everything is different now. And it felt, it feels like that. It feels like somebody just had so many ideas in their head that they vomited them all out at the same time. And then you were just left confused. And that shit literally took place in the span of eight episodes. Yeah. Like, I feel like from episodes one through 15, it told a very cohesive story. Yeah. It got its point across really well, and up through episode 15, Darling in the Franks could easily be in one of my top animes of all time. The OP is one of my top OPs of all time. Like, the OP is low-key a banger. Like, no joke. I enjoyed it. What did you think of it? I thought it was fine. I will make you like OPs one of these days, damn it. I, I don't know, it's not my genre of music, so yeah, I have a hard time being like, okay, well this one's better than this one, because to me it's 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 just not my genre, it's not what I enjoy listening to. But that's all of the background info on the show, so Okey-dokey. what do you have as far as a short description to tell mm-hmm. all the peeps before oh. we put on the spoiler chicken hats? The chicken hats. Overview time! Um, <laughs> it's just made a new jingle. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's about a group of nine kids, nine teenagers, that are in a futuristic, but not too far in the future, like 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future, world. But it's very different than ours, even though it is not that far in the future. It's seeming like all of this started 50 years ago. So imagine 50 years ago, the past was different. (laughs) And then because of that, now is very, very, very different. And it's like this barren wasteland of an earth and then in these little like bubbles that they call plantations plantations thank you i was gonna say you have them in america but i don't remember what they're called plantations and (laughs) we have um, these in america where are these things i I need these giant robot mechs no but like the word plantation you use it in america oh because it's just giant farms 
Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that before I came to North America. Don't know why. Just didn't hear about it. Mainly, so probably. Do they not the use that term in Canada? No, it's just ranches and farms and, and just prairie. I mean, I guess nowadays we probably use the word ranch more than we do plantation. Yeah, ranch. That's what we use out here. And then in the UK, it's just farm. <laughs> it's just... No, no matter how big nor how small, it's just farm. <laughs> Well, the UK is a very compact space. There's what uh, a bunch of millions of people living in an island that fits four of them in Alberta. Yeah. Very compact. So there's not really big farms compared to like America and Canada, where it's like, okay, this province is a farm. Yeah, to where we have basically entire states that are farms. Yeah, yeah it's like Nebraska, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Texas. and Manitoba are just farms. Like that's Actually, I guess there is a difference. Like for us, a ranch is more of like cattle raising and whatnot yeah. whereas a plantation or a farm is more towards crop growing yeah i i still wouldn't i don't know maybe i just don't mingle with enough farmers out here but like i i haven't heard plantation used for them talking about their fields hmm. but yeah anyways they have they live on these plantations but these plantations aren't farm plantations they are like a little society city utopia things and yeah, it's about these these group of nine kids who are tasked with fighting off these big robot mecha monster creatures. And they have to fight them off in these big mecha robot monster machines that look like girls with boobs. And um <laughs> There's a lot of plot to this show, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they're especially in the first first few episodes. Although I will say it definitely pulls a food wars yeah. with like how it presents it because it's not a focal point of the show. And I and in fact, I think this show does a really good job of kind of turning that on its head in a way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you meet characters later in the show to where like, so the Franks are piloted in male and female pairs. Yeah. However, later on in the show, you'll see that the roles are reversed in how the Franks are piloted. Yes. Which I thought was a really nifty touch. Yeah. So, yeah, the the Franks are the, are the big mecha Gundams that the Nine use. But whilst they are, like, hanging out and having a good time, um, Hero, who is our main character, has lost his partner for a reason and is now alone and he cannot pilot with any of the other girls that are part of his team because it has to be male female pet and they're thinking okay well they're going to kick him out despite the fact that he used to be top of the class and now all of a sudden he can't pilot and everyone is their name is actually a code so their name is like uh, uh 016 is hero and then the team leader is 015 and uh, and and it's unusual to have them in the teens. It's unusual. It's incredibly rare to have a single digit code. And most people have at least two digits. Um, but like quite a few members of the group have three digits. For instance, Zerome has six 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 as his code, which is amusing to me. <laughs> the way um, that you pronounce that name, I'm so humored right now. Zerome, Z- I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah, Zerome. Zerome. <laughs> Zerome. Zerome. Um, I'm sorry, okay? I just quickly glanced because I, I don't write down names very well on um on my in my notes because I always forget to write down the notes. So I just pull up a character picture 
on my screen. So I have all the characters and their names and they're written really small and I'm looking at it from a distance and I'm, I'm not wearing my glasses because do I ever wear my glasses? No, and I just saw that and I was glasses. like, that's how I'm going to pronounce that. That's where I'm going to go with it. It's wrong. I, I'm sorry. I'm bad at names, bad at Japanese, bad at life. Um, but Also bad at remembering birthdays. Hey, I, I kind of- I have found it. a point to bring this up. <laughs> I knew I would find a way. I kind of remembered. I went on your Discord and asked you if you felt any wiser. That is a British person wishing you a happy birthday because we don't do emotions. You are making excuses. I don't do birthdays. I've noticed. I'm hurt. Oh, you know how awkward I get when it comes to my birthday because you guys all want to celebrate and I'm just like, can we not? Look, we we just want to make sure that you have a great time. I understand that, and I'm very appreciative, but I don't do birthdays. That uh, really, neither do I. However, it, it's an opportunity for me to give you shit. It just so happened to be the day that you were excreted from your mother's vagina. Like, there is nothing <laughs> incredibly important about that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. No, I don't I'm, get it. I'm right there with you. Like I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. However, like I said, it's fuel to give you shit. Yeah. So how how can I how can I pass up such a glorious opportunity? Yeah, I suppose. Okay, but Who hates yes, me, so, everyone. <laughs> I don't hate you. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so they're you're in these pairs, and they have these codes, and it's about hero who runs into um a girl with a code zero zero two. And she is rather unusual. She's not human. And she is pretty wild in her behavior. And she has... I don't think it's a spoiler to say that that she cannot find a male pair that is, like, solid with her. Because of her abilities and who she is, she does a lot of damage to her male pair. Because you, you connect through your mind and you can get physical damage because of the... The connection. I don't really know how that works, but like your your chromosomes are in the machine. That's how the, I guess they kind of explain it because like the machine is made up of X and Y chromosomes, which is why you need a male and a female pair to be able to run them. And because of that and the physical connection, physical connection while being in the frog's machine, if somebody attacks the machine and hurts the machine, it hurts the physical pair. And if and she has such a resistance and a stronger ability that she could push the machines so much further which the doctors and and the adults want but because of that because they let her go wild it puts too much strain on her stamen or her male partner which i believe is part of a flower isn't it a stamen is it's like the male reproductive system in the flower i think so maybe i don't remember and so she ends up like going through her male partner's very quickly. And she ends up finding a hero, our main character, and deciding that he is going to be her next partner. And then it's about the two of them figuring out how they're going to make this work and her story, his story, his relationship with the rest of Team 13, Squad 13, which is the other members, the other eight members who are all in their in their partner pairs. And then it's also got an element of coming of age, puberty, figuring out who you are as a person and romance and sex (laughs) in it as well. There's like this whole other side of like a group of teens being put together and left unmonitored. Monitored, but But, but undisturbed. Yeah, yeah, monitored, but no, yeah, no control. Which uh, just makes that whole situation sound really weird. 
<laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? But yeah, that's kind of the show. That's the premise of the show. And yeah, I guess I, I guess we'll put up the spoiler warning then. Spoiler chicken hats. Chicken on. hats on everybody. Yeah, if you haven't seen the show, go ahead, go watch it, read the manga, whatever you want to do, and then come on on back and uh, listen to the rest of this where we discuss the bizarreness of this show. Oh, speaking of, I have a rant I want to go on really quick. Okay. Do not be the bastard to put spoilers in YouTube comments, especially on OPs and EDs of shows. Oh, did that happen? Mate. I'm livid. So I was working on the background for the news videos. I was just sketching away, and in the background on my PC, I just had anime trailers. Not trailers, OPs and EDs pulled up in a playlist that I was listening to. And do you remember the song at the end of episode 19 of Demon Slayer? Like that special insert song that they did whenever he cut off Ruri's head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Spoilers for Demon Slayer. Yeah, but it was the latest chapter of the manga. Mate, if it's true, if this spoiler is true, I am absolutely, I'm crushed. Yeah. Like, so don't be that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's frustrating. Yeah, like, don't, don't be a douchebag. If you're going to be a douchebag, put spoiler warning or something at the top. Don't, don't spoil extremely necessary plot points, especially from the latest chapter of the manga. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, rant over. I'm I'm done with being broken. I just had to get that off my chest. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Okay, story about spoilers, though. So, you know the twins. Like, everyone knows the twins. The twins are, like, they live in infamy on this podcast now because they're my best friends and I talk about them all the time. When we were in high school, I, they had never seen Harry Potter. Like, not not seen a movie, not read a book, didn't know anything about it, never seen it. And so I sit them down because I am a huge Harry Potter nerd. And I was like, hey, we're going to watch these films. And and we had, like, a weekend. We used to just literally live at each other's houses, so it wasn't a big deal. And and I was like, we're going to watch these films. We get to, I think we're in the fourth film. And I will say Harry Potter spoiler warning here, but I think most people are aware. But I will put up the Harry Potter spoiler warning hat here. And we get to, like, the third or fourth film. And one of the twins is super into the film. And the other one of the twins is on her phone. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, not worried about the films, not interested. That's fine. Not her stick. But I find out later that the reason why she was on her phone was because she was so interested in the film that she couldn't wait for the plot. So she went on Wikipedia to read up what happened. And we're in, like, the fourth film, right? Which is big around uh, certain characters. And you're just kind of getting to know the twins for the first time, really, in the fourth film and then more in the fifth film. Oh, mate, And no. she just... And her sister is sitting next to me and she's like encountered in the film. And, and the, uh, yeah, and Mel's sitting on the couch. She's looking through her photo Wikipedia and she gasps. And so we tend to look at her, obviously, because she's on her phone and all of a sudden she gasps. And she tends to look at us and she just goes, Fred! <laughs> Fred dies! And Megan, the other twin, is just sitting there. She's going, what? And I was like, Melanie, shut your mouth right now! <laughs> I'm oh, so mad. my heart. <laughs> I was so mad of all of the things to spoil. Of all of the things to spoil. That's what she spoils. And then once she started, then Megan was like, well, what else do you know? And I was like, no, don't tell her. And But then they, they're twins, so then they started doing their twin telepathy thing. And uh, yeah, everything was spoiled, but yeah. Oh. I still haven't forgiven her for that one. <laughs> it wasn't oh. even me that got it spoiled. 
I was just sitting there as a third party witness being like, why would you do that? If you want to spoil it for yourself, fine, but don't spoil it for your sister. Anyways. So what's, what, like, it, what puts me in the most awkward of situations is whenever someone is trying to guess what's going to happen and whenever they get it right. Yeah. So the moments where people will spoil shit for themselves, but it's like they'll... Like, they'll take a guess at something, and then I just have to sit there and act, like, what's the proper way to act in that situation? Uh, I just, I smirk normally when somebody guesses it correct, because then they won't know if you're smirking because they got it correct, or if you're smirking because they're so far wrong. And so long as you're, like, fairly consistent with that, like, sometimes you smirk when they're so far wrong, and sometimes you smirk when they're correct, then they'll never know. God damn it. <laughs> I, I hate everything. I hate and then life. you just laugh at them. Just well, point and laugh. Well, for me, it's like all of my friends know that I'm pretty emotionless. And especially when it comes to feelings, like I, I don't do feelings. Or most of the time I don't do feelings. Let me say that. I watch anime and I cry like a little bitch. <laughs> but was it, did we talk about it on the podcast about how, no, but I can't fucking remember. Anyway, like I... My defense mechanism for things, especially whenever people give me compliments, is to just make it act like it's boosting my own ego, even though I have, like, absolutely zero of an ego because I have no self-confidence whatsoever. Aww. But, yeah, so that's, like, that's just my defense mechanism. Like, haha, I know. <laughs> yeah. And so, where was I going with that? Oh, and it's just because that attitude of, like... I don't know why whenever I'm in my moods, I just portray myself just to be this, like, super cocky and over-the-top individual. I, I am an anime main character in real life. <laughs> but anyway, I'll do that. And so my friends just, like, they know I'm not really that way, but at the same time, they can never tell. Especially whenever I'm joking and whenever I'm not. So because of that attitude, whenever they'll guess something like that, I'd be like, yeah, sure, or no, or I'll just laugh it off. They, yeah. like, they have no idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But still, it's just such an uncomfortable position to be in. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't like it when people put you in that position. Because you know that they don't want it spoiled, so you have to just not spoil it, but they also are so cute. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. But anyways, let's jump into this. Episode one, Alone and Loathsome. A teenage boy, hero, is living in a strange futuristic, futuristic world where he has taken, he's been taken from a young age, or I, I don't, at this point, I didn't know if he was taken from a young age, but it says that he was like kind of created there. And he is trained to pilot these giant robot machines called Franks. They need both a male and female to function. However, he failed the final exam with his partner and was expelled from the program. He was given the option to stay, but she was not. And he chose to leave with her, but not before running into 002, or 02, a girl with pink hair and devil horns who was swimming naked in a lake. Because, <laughs> plot. And... <laughs> She said that the two of them were alike, both alone with no home. It's rumored that she consumes her partners like a vampire, that no one can ride with her more than three times before she kills them. Just as the boy, Hero, whose code is 016, is leaving, an enemy attacks the plantation. 002, 02 fights it off, but loses her partner, her statement, in the process. And Hero actually ends up volunteering to help her instead and their partnership to help, yeah, to like step in 
and she kisses him because that's how they make their connection, even though it isn't, but it is, but it isn't. And it ends up turning the frogs into its final form. And they end up killing the enemy and the beginning of their partnership starts. And that's the first episode, kind of. Very brief summary of the first episode. Then I got the point across. Yeah, so uh, initial thoughts. It's been so long since I've, because I watched the show week to week whenever it was first coming out. Yeah. So, but I was immediately captivated, mm-hmm. I guess, because it was a different world. Yeah. And just, they had set it up for, like, so much potential. Not only that, but I grew up being a big fan of Gundam. So I was like, ooh, Mecha Mecha Fun Time. Mm-hmm. That was it. Like, that was kind of all I knew. So I was definitely intrigued by where it was going. It's just, I it was the first episode, so I had to wait another week before I could figure out what was going to go on. What about you? Uh, I was confused <laughs> for the first episode. The first episode is quite confusing. But it's, it's confusing in a way where you know that they're going to explain it later. I just wasn't expecting what they were going to explain later. Um, yeah. It, no, it was good. I liked, I liked the idea of, um, I, I like the underdog story. He's hero when you first meet him is kind of presented as an underdog. At this point, you don't know that he is, was like previously ranked really high. Although you can kind of figure it out because his number was 016 when other people had a lot low, like a lot higher ranks, but lower ranks, higher numbers, lower ranks. So you can figure out that at one point he was really strong, but yeah, at this point, he's just kind of seen as like a pitiful, sad sap of a boy who's kind of given up on himself and and his existence because his partner just left, um, he failed the exam, he can't pilot the machine, and uh, he's kind of being taken the piss out of by some of the other members, they don't really like him, he's kind of isolated. Yeah, you feel initially, like they introduce him, you feel bad for him, but he's also not really doing much to help himself. Same. Yeah. Not the not the partner leaving or people making fun of me. Just the sad excuse of an existence. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> um, oh, no. I had to throw a jab in there. Sorry. <laughs> positive humor, not self self positive. Hu- I don't know. Um. <laughs> You just give up on me. It's okay. I, I, I gave up on myself there, but you know. <laughs> when do I ever? Anyways, um, episode two, what it means to connect. Oh, okay. I have to, this show is so sexual, but not in the way that you think it is. Like, obviously there is plot. So there's like boobs and ass and bulging trousers. But um, there there is like this weird underlying symbolism that shows up throughout the entire show and there's so many innuendos and I don't know if I just have a dirty mind or if this is like I I fully think that they intended it to be so bizarrely sexual do you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I get and, what you're going for. Completely. Yeah. And there's a couple points specifically where it was so blatantly obvious that they were going for this kind of symbolism that I actually lo- like burst out laughing. And there's one point in particular that I actually messaged Brad about because I was like, that is so stupid. Like, anyway, <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. Yep. But yeah, episode two, what it means to connect. Because of the fight, Hero was kind of given a second chance. Um, they want to see if he can pilot the frog with her with her consistently but to do that they need to figure out if he can pilot it on his own kind of thing they're like curious about it the the upper group okay so the kids are anyone who is like piloting a frog or whatever the adults are people that 
run the world. Um, so it's not like kids and adults in age, although it kind of is, but it's also not. Like, adults and kids have a much bigger meaning. It's like the kids are the ones that have gone through puberty that are are still in their natural state, whereas these adults have had their emotions taken from them. They've they've stopped puberty. They've like taken out all of what they consider unnecessary stuff to create this like utopian society, and so they don't feel happiness, sadness, anything like that. Because well, they get their daily dose of happiness. You find out more about that later, but they don't have the same kind of emotions that we do because they consider themselves they 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 considered that unnecessary so they took it out um so these kids are more than just kids they are the only people that are kind of natural and left in their human state but anyway so hero was given a second chance because of this and they want to see if he can pilot uh, a frogs with a different member of his team so then he'll be promoted to a parasite parasite is an official member of someone who pilots a frogs machine he didn't get that title because he failed the final exam so he didn't get to go through the ceremony to be able to become one he had gone through all of the previous training though he just failed that final exam ichigo is team leader and she is 015 code 15 and she has a huge crush on Hiro, and she volunteers. Um, things don't go to plan, though, and even when they kiss to try and recon- recreate the circumstances and conditions of his fight with Zero Two, it doesn't work. And, yeah, uh, and so so they can't get the machine working with him and with her together. And that's episode two, basically. Episode three, Fighting Puppet. The team are sent on their first mission without Hero, but things quickly go wrong when they're overrun by enemies. Enemies are called like Klaxosaurs. Is that right? Klaxosaurs? Klaxosaurs, yes. Klaxosaurs. Yeah, I thought so. So they're fighting these Klaxosaurs and things quickly go wrong when they're overrun by enemies. It was supposed to be their first mission, so it was just supposed to be pretty chill. They were going to send them out to just deal with this one small guy. Um, But while they're out there, all of a sudden, a whole bunch more come out of the woodworks and it turns out that it was kind of like a nest deal with like a, a mom and what they thought was initially just one of the babies actually turned out to be a load of them and Zero Two ends up having to back them up with Mitsuru him and his partner actually had ended up staying back because she is kind of a little bit all over the place her condition is consistently throughout the show shown to be not as as good as the others just her health wise isn't isn't great so he ended up staying back um, with her and they don't really get on well the two of them and so he ends up volunteering to go with Zero Two. Hero did actually volunteer to say I'll go with Zero Two I'll go help but he was unconscious during his first fight with her he like he didn't remember it and he also hasn't been promoted to a parasite so technically by like procedure he can't pilot a Frank's machine so they send Mitsuru to go with him instead. He kind of revels in the power that Zero Two gives him believing that it, it wasn't his fault for not being stable as stable as the other pairs he kind of puts the blame onto his partner and he kind of goes a bit power hungry for a bit but then yeah hero was it kind of shows flashbacks to where hero was kind of always the best of the group and he has an issue with that but when the fight is over he is bloody and drained he has completely had the life sucked out of him zero two was way too intense for him and the others can see that the rumors were true about her being like a vampire pilot. Episode four, flap, flap. The names of these episodes are really weird. Right. Um, more Klaxosaurs attack the plantation and the team is once again sent to handle them. At the same time, Zero Two has guards sent to escort her back to the front lines. 
Hero runs after her when um, he when things kind of turn bad for his friends because they were sent out to this battle. They're fighting them. Things go bad again. His team is they're very like new. And they're all over the place. That's kind of one thing that is consistently said about this team is that they don't follow the same kind of procedures that all of the other teams follow, the squads follow. They they are all over the place in their teamwork. They are rough around the edges. They don't behave the same way that other people do. And so, yeah, they're not doing great with this new Klaxosaur that they've been sent out to go and, and defeat. Hero runs after Zero Two and basically says, I'm sorry, I was scared but it wasn't because you're part monster. I was scared of piloting itself um, because I couldn't do it uh, with my partner originally and I just started to doubt myself. And and But now I'm over it and I want to team up, basically, is what he's like. He's like, I'm over it. I want to team up. Let's team up. I will officially be your darling. Because that's what she calls him throughout this whole time. He's a darling. And so they team up. They don't have permission, but they do. Um, and they kick ass and prove their compatibility and that he can survive her strength. It was pretty cool. That fight was was pretty cool. It was. This one, and I think it was the fight in episode 15, that are probably my favorite fights out of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're well done. We're not, oh. we're not going to talk about the ones in episode 23 and 24. Yeah, those are just... Trips. <laughs> yeah, acid, acid trips. trips. The trips. <laughs> uh, Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds kind of trips. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, episode five. What did I write there? I don't know, mate. It's your handwriting. I think it says Your Thorn, My Badge. Yeah, Your Thorn, My Badge. Okay, strange title name. So strange that I thought I'd written something else. Um. Well, look at the next episode and how it's titled. You'd think that'd be the last episode's title. They uh, the uh, episode six and there's two episodes that are titled "Darling in the Frost." And episode twenty three. Yeah, it confused me a lot when I was writing down the notes for this. I was like, "Why are there two episodes with the same name?" Anyways, episode five. Your thorn, my badge. Hero is in serious pain after his last fight, but he refuses to show the others. Tests show that the opposite of what happens normally to her uh, statements is actually happening to Hero. Basically, he's getting an increase in yellow blood cells as opposed to a decrease in the yellow blood cells are the blood cells that you need to be able to pilot the, fr- pilot the Franks, and they artificially injected them into the kids when they were younger and have been doing so regularly to get them to be strong enough to be able to pilot these Franks machines. But Hero is actually getting more of them by piloting with her when normally it drains them so much that you are killed by it, which is... It wasn't very clearly explained in the show, but that's kind of the conclusion that I came to of how that worked. Yeah, I I get where you're going with that. Yeah, because I don't really know how else to explain it. Because they kind of casually mention that he's getting more yellow blood cells, and then they don't really mention anything else other than that. Yeah, they, again, like, they had so much world building they could do. Yeah. And they just fall flat on it. Yeah, so I th- that's that's where I think that they were going with it. But yeah, two plantation ships are supposed to join together in a kissing. So basically they're transferring resources from one plantation to another plantation. And to do so, they have to attach them together and make like this tunnel thing that attaches them together. Um, and this is called a kissing. And they can see that a group of claxosaurs are kind of heading in their way. Like think of it like migratory animals. Like they're a bunch are kind of heading in their way and they're trying to, they're going to like hit right on the tunnel that is connecting the two together. And so they plan to use the other plantations team and Zero Two with uh, Squad 13 to fight off, to fight them off 
during this transfer and of resources. And and Hero has a blue heart glob thing on his chest. I don't know how to describe it. His chest, where his heart is, has turned into like a blue veiny growth glob. It was basically a new heart, essentially. Yeah, it was we'll gross. We'll get more into that in a bit. Mm. Um, <laughs> new hearts. <laughs> um, new hearts for everyone. Who wants a new heart? Um, <laughs> you get a new heart. You get a new heart. Everybody gets a new heart. <laughs> Check under your seat. There's a new heart for you. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, the other squadron doesn't want to fight the enemy alongside Zero Two because of an incident that happened two years prior that ended up killing the leader's partner. Basically, he's saying that she just does not care for her teammates. She is reckless. She just does what she wants. And because of that, because she couldn't follow orders, because she was so reckless, it ended up getting his, um, partner killed. And so, uh, but Hero ends up reassuring them, just being like, I, I will keep her in line. Because, I don't know, because he does. <laughs> Episode 6, Darling in the Bronx. The fight with the oncoming Klaxosaurus begins, and Hero is really pushing his limit. Thousands of little guys spring out of the other squad, um, spring out in front of the other squad, and they are pretty efficient at clearing them out due to their experience teamwork. Um, squad 13 and... They're odd Franks. So so Squad 13 are in their mecha robots that look very different from all of the other ones that are all exactly the same. Because it's kind of established pretty early on that Squad 13 are an experimental squad. Basically, if they're running any kind of like tests or any kind of like odd procedures or they want to experiment, they do it on Squad 13. They are the one squad that is different to everybody else. And because of that, they're given more freedom. They are given more, like, less control over them. They're lives are less regulated because they are kind of doing psychological experiments on the group as well as like actual experiments. <laughs> and so because of that, they're, they have these different frogs machines that are individualized and customized to each of the pairs throughout the squad. And yeah, they end up fighting and dealing with the little guys uh, escape through. So the, the other squad is on the front lines. They are dealing with most of them. Any ones that come through and escape through, Squad 13 deals with because they are less experienced team. And but and soon they're all dead, basically. Soon they're all dead. And all that's left is a huge boss. The other squad are out of fuel. So they it's basically on the backups to take him down on Squad 13. They tie him down so Hero and Zero Two can get a good like hit on him with their spear. But he doesn't die after the strike, and Hero is kind of down for the count. He is out of it. Uh, this will be the third time that he has piloted with Zero Two, and up until this point, no uh, statement has survived three fights with her as their partner. But he has a big, like, I want to be your wings, I found a reason to fight, and I'm not living to fight anymore, I'm fighting to live moment. And, um, you know, the, the shtick. The anime shtick. Anime and... MC shtick. Exactly. And he sucks in all of the blue veins that have now spread throughout his entire body. He's just like, oh, I'll take them back, please. And, uh... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it would have been terrible if he would have died in vain there. Oh. <laughs> That joke's got me feeling blue. <laughs> Come on, mate. Have a heart. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. My brain is actually hurting now. That, that was... Uh, okay. Um, yeah, he sucks in all the blue veins and they end up kicking ass because that's how anime works. It's episode six. We kind of make character dying in episode six. That happens in episode three. Um, no. Um, it's a shonen. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You can bring it back with the power of the Dragon Balls. <laughs> 
Episode 7, Shooting Stars Moratorium. Uh, it's it's a beach episode. There's, episode 7 is the beach episode. Um, plot. <laughs> plot, yeah. So they try and learn about kisses because they find... Um, they Yeah, because Hero has been kissed twice. Um, and the boys are like, hey, what's going on with you and, and Zero Two? And he's like, I don't know. And this is the thing, is that they have literally been told nothing. They do not know what puberty is. They do not know what kissing is. They do not know anything. They have been kept in the dark throughout this entire thing about everything, okay? Like, they don't have books on it. They do, they do not know. So all the boys are like, hey, what's kissing? I thought it was just when those machines, like, connected together. When the plantations connected together. And it's like, oh, it turns out that it's actually when you touch your mouths together. And they really explain it in depth. And it's very cringe. And yeah, so anyway, they end up getting a break. They're like, okay, well, the doctor, who's the guy who's experimenting on this team, I was like, hey, we'll give him a bit of a break. So they take them to a beach and they're like, hey, you chill out on this beach. Um, and they're outside of the plantation for this time. And they're like, okay, you can be here unmonitored for, I think it was like 24 hours. Have fun. And while they're walking around, they find this alt abandoned uh, human town. And they walk through. And as they're walking through, one of the girls, whose name is Kokoro, Kokoro finds a book about uh, your first baby. So it's clear like she went into like a hospital or a, like a, a care center. I'm not sure where she went into, but she went into like a clinic or something and found uh, a book about your first baby. And she takes it and keeps it. And Zero Two and Hero are also kind of officially uh, made members of Squad 13 by Ichigo. And she's like, okay, yeah, we want you on our team. You can be officially part of our team. That's it. That's all I have. It's a beach episode. She found a book. They became part of the team. Beach episode. What? What? <laughs> They play volleyball on the beach, the girls fall over each other. The boys pull Hero under the water when he's about to kiss uh, Zero Two again. And they're bikinis. Plot. Um, But let's talk about Goro being a little pervy perv along with everybody else. Oh yeah, okay. Goro is is my favorite character in this show. Um, He is best boy. He is absolutely Out of all the shows that we've covered, he's, he's best boy. He's great. He's actually great. So he's like tall and buff and muscular with a deep voice like that's he's that you know he's the 14 year old on steroids and he is kind of like he he's Ichigo's partner and so he's like stable and like the dad of the group like he is like wise beyond his years and he is calm and never like you know stepping out of line always very respectful and that's not true. He is also a teenage boy. And it was really, it's really fun to see with the other two boys that are like creeping other girls, like watching them being little creeps. And he's like, joins them. And they're like, what are you doing here, Goro? And he's like, what? I'm a, I'm a boy too. Like, I'm gonna see as well. And it was, it's fun to see. Um, yeah, no, but he's, he's my favorite character. He's great. Because he is so stern and like, solid in who he is and then he has those moments of like Brake's character is actually teenage boy for a bit and it's great he's great oh yeah not that it's okay to perv on girls don't perv on anybody but yeah no i also have like it is explained throughout this entire show that they have they have no understanding of anything they have never been told anything so they genuinely do not know that it's okay not okay to perv on girls because mm-hmm. they don't know but episode eight is where it gets even pervier. This is maximum perv. Episode eight, boys x girls. Um, an enemy uses a specific type of magical acid to melt away the girls' suits because duh. And um, <laughs> and the way the girls are positioned in these machines, they are ass up, head down. 
And the boys are behind them getting a view. And I don't know how the blood doesn't rush to their heads, is all I'm saying. But, um, because I'm, they're, like, upside down. And, uh, and of course, when the acid leaks through the top of the machine, which is, you know what's hilarious to me? These frogs machines go underwater. They are waterproof. You can see that in one specific episode coming up. But nah, not today. Today, the acid manages to leak through the cracks in the waterproof machine. It doesn't eat away at metal. It only eats away at girls' suits. And So, I, yeah. question. Mm-hmm. Would this be considered a plot hole? <sighs> that was bad. That was bad. I'm impressed, but it was bad. Oh, you're the worst. You're the worst. Okay. But anyway, the girl suits get melted away. The boys are just like, we'll just keep on fighting. Like, don't tell them. We're just gonna, we have to take down this Klaxosaur. So we're just gonna, and then more acid is dripping through. And Hero, being the good guy that he is, says, Zero Two, your suit. And they're on a group call. And one of the other boys goes, don't tell them. <laughs> and then all of the girls look behind them and see themselves butt-ass naked, almost. Except for some very strategically placed parts of the suit that didn't melt away. And, uh, and then they're mad that the boys were just gonna let them fight. And the boys' excuse was but we didn't want you to be distracted because you had to still fight the enemy. Which is kind of valid, but it's not the whole truth. Not the whole truth. No, um, not in the slightest. No. But anyway, so then they have a fight because of it. And so they separate the house in half that they're all living in. Take it down. Then uh, a whole bunch of stuff happened. Zero Two is being really mischievous. Um, and basically there's a naked bathhouse war and they end up finding, like the whole point of this, I guess, is that they end up finding one of the rooms that the previous Squad 13 members lived in. And that's when kind of the reality of death hits them, that this job is really, really dangerous and they could die at any moment like the previous Squad 13 did. And they find like all of their belongings still in place in these roped off rooms. Um, And it kind of like, I so I guess the point of this episode was team building and like letting them be aware of their reality of death. But like, yeah, there was a lot of plot to get there. Yeah, there's Um, a lot of plot, but also... Seeing Zero Two be human for one of the few times in the show, that was nice. <clears throat> it was, yeah, because she's being mischievous and, and playful uh, as opposed to, like, evil and aggressive because of everything that she went through. Uh, but yeah, they make up and Hero tells Zero Two to always speak her mind to him so that he can get to know her better. Episode 9, Triangle Bomb. An enemy approaches and Ichigo and her partner, who is Goro, get stuck inside this big old goopy boy. And um, he ejects her out of the, the frunk. So she is like, she got ejected before they got stuck in this big goopy boy. And basically what happens is that he is going to self-destruct himself to blow up him and the Klaxosaur. Because everyone back at the plantation are like, well, we, we have to leave him behind. We just have to, to fight the Klaxosaur. I'm sorry. He is going to be the sacrifice. We need to just get rid of the Klaxosaur before it attacks the plantation. But Ichigo, with the help of Zero Two and Hero, is able to save him just before he was about to press the self-destruct button um, by projectile shooting her through the goop of this Klaxosaur. 
And she manages to get him out of there and they save the day, kill the Clarks saw. It's all good. When they get back to the plantation, he admits that he has fallen in love with her and he, yeah, he, he managed to make it out alive. So he just like says, you know, I, I actually love you. And she softens her harsh exterior a little bit. He tells her, it's cool. I don't expect anything in return. And I just still love you. And then he actually ends up giving her a hair clip that he always wanted to. Basically, the relationship between Hiro, Goro, and Ichigo is that they grew up in the same section of the garden, which is where they grow the children um, to be who they want them to be. And she, Ichigo, was always watching Hiro. Hiro was not watching anybody in that kind of way. And Goro was always watching Ichigo. And once a year, they could ask Papa, who is like the head of the adults and who they consider a parent to all of them, the thousands of children that are there, uh, they get to, once a year, they get to ask for a present. And uh, Ichigo had asked that year for like a stuffed animal, a teddy. And then she asked the boys what they were going to ask for. And uh, and they like didn't answer. Uh, but she was always pulling her hair behind her ear. And Goro says, oh, you could probably do with like a hair clip or something. And so he asks Papa for a hair clip. But it turns out that Hiro had also asked Papa for a hair clip for Ichigo. Not doing it romantically, just because he was like, oh, that's a good idea. Because Hiro is kind of unaware of other people. And and so he gives it to Ichigo and then Goro keeps his and he doesn't give it to her. And then when she was diving through the goop, she loses her hair clip. And he then gives her the new one and admits that he loves her. It's sweet. Goro's still best boy. He is still best boy. <laughs> Episode 10. Also, Hiro gives, uh, <clears throat> Hiro gives Zero to uh, Naomi's mirror because she oh. didn't get a gift. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naomi was, was Hiro's previous partner that was left. Wait, was it previous partner or was it part of the earlier squad? No, she was the previous partner. Because remember, yeah, yeah. whenever she was leaving, Hiro was getting ready to get on the transport oh, robot yeah, with her, and her she luggage. just yeets the briefcase out of yeah, space. Yeah. It's like, nah, fam, you're staying. Mm-hmm. Episode 10, The City of Eternity. So they get to travel into the city, which they had never gotten to before. They had been very restricted in the area they were allowed to live. To be given a meaningless award, because they, the upper folk want them to feel like they've been doing a good job so that they continue to work for them and don't ask questions, basically. Um, so they give them all of these meaningless awards and rewards and stuff to be able to keep them happy. But Zerome gets lost and ends up at this adult woman's house who explains more about adult life, injecting happiness, living as partners, but like not even talking to each other or seeing each other, and not eating because she doesn't like the taste of food and she doesn't need it and being incredibly weak. And Zerome eventually, like, he he's not feel like, he doesn't know how to feel about the whole situation, but he is probably the most brainwashed out of all of the kids about Papa. Mm-hmm. And so I think this was kind of, like, a necessary eye-opening moment for him to be like, adult life is kind of weird. Because he doesn't dislike it, he just doesn't really know how to feel about it at this point. Not only that, but I do like how they take the time to give, basically, each character... Like their own episode of growth. Yeah, and this is his. But eventually he makes it back home uh, and he gets pitied by the guards who escort him. And he's he's kind of like, he feels 
off about it because they say something like, oh, poor kid, poor child who has to do the fighting or something. And he doesn't really know how to feel about it because he's never, like, he he sees himself as a hero because of what he does. And this is the first time that somebody had kind of not seen him in that same way or, like, projected that they saw him in that way because of the controlled environment that he was in. So, yeah, something's something's weird about that. Episode 11, Partner Shuffle. So Mitsuru and Kokuru become partners after... Okay, so this is this is mainly... This is the episode that's mainly about Mitsuru and he... Uh, <laughs> Kokuru and Futoshi are partners and Futoshi's uh, really sweet. He is such a sweet guy who is head over heels absolutely completely in love with Kokuru. And he makes a promise at the beginning of the episode saying, hey, promise me that we will be partners for forever. And she's like, yes, I promise. And then like five seconds later, they're like, hey, uh, we're giving you the option to switch up partners. Do you want to switch up partners? And she's like, yes, I do. And just immediately, I was so mad at her for that. It's like, I want to switch partners. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, yeah, it was not not nice. It was not a nice thing to do. But Kokoro and Mitsuru are, uh, they've kind of been like getting to know each other in a greenhouse, um, in like the the house area. They've been having a lot of alone time together. And she has this book from a while ago about the how to make a baby thing. And something's off. You can tell that she's figuring stuff out and is is being a bit off. Anyway, um, so she ends up pitching the idea to switch and they end up switching partners. And then you find out more about Mitsuru and the fact that he actually, why he resents Hiro, because when he got sick when he was a kid, he had to take this injection that only had a 15% success rate. And if you went in that 15%, you died. Um, and this injection was to keep him in the in the race, in, in for being part of the, the, the team. And Hiro promised him before he went and got the injection that they would be frogs pilots together and that they would make it through this together. And then when he comes back, Hiro is different and he doesn't remember the promise. And it like broke his little kid heart that his best friend had just like forgotten. Idol, the best friend and idol, because Hiro was like the leader of the group, forgot this promise. And they, he ends up being really upset about it. Um, and because of that has like resented him ever since. And that's why he's kind of like cruel to him in, in the first few episodes. And yeah, and that's that's kind of like episode 11. It's just finding out the backstory, learning about the Arrow's children and the partner shuffle. Episode 12, the garden where it all began. So they go back to their old home for tests and Zero Two is having troubles because she believes... Uh, Zero Two is having like lots of troubles because she believes that killing all the Klaxosaurs will turn her into a human. Um, and so they have to go back to this garden when they were all raised. And, and there's... It's squad nine there that are not very nice people. And they're like putting everyone on edge and it's not doing well. But and Zero Two has got a lot of pressure on her because of all of these tests that are putting it through and she's not feeling great. And it's a whole situation. She's obviously in a place that puts her on severe edge. And she is obsessed with becoming human right now. She is really, really, really obsessed with becoming human. So she pushes the piloting the Franks so far that she nearly ends up sacrificing Hero to be able to do so. And and they, the rest of the team also ends up finding out that the more he flies with her, the more of her monster DNA <coughs> is getting absorbed into his body. He's absorbing it. Alpha from uh, Squad 9 is an asshole, but he previously had Zero Two on his team. And so he's basically saying, she's a monster. You're never going to be able to tame her. Like, you don't know her like we do. She's just playing at being human right now. And Hero starts to regain his memories 
from his childhood of her because of the connection that they have in the machine and because like you go into each other's brains while you're in the Frank's machine, right? Yes. And the more compatible, the more you're like able to just legitimately see their memories yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And so as they're getting to know each other more and more and more, they are getting to know more and more about each other as well. But uh, up until this point, Zero Two has kind of like shut him out a little bit. Episode 13, The Beast and the Prince. Flashback to when they were children. Hero was always questioning and disobeying, but uh, they they studied him, basically, because they were like, he's really weird. Why is he asking so many questions? He's not acting like the other children. Like, we, they've all settled down by now. They've all gotten into the routine. They don't play like he does. They don't, like, ask questions like he does. He's always pushing boundaries, always being questioning and they thought it was strange so they studied him and he also had this really high potential but then he ends up meeting zero two because of these tests where they put them in like a secluded area and he ended up walking around and, and running into her and seeing her and a whole bunch of stuff happens basically um and they try and escape he grabs her and he tries to escape with her but they eventually get caught and she and during this time when they were trying to escape she got injured and he not knowing how to heal her, read somewhere that animals lick each other to help heal their wounds. So she got this scrape on her knee. So she he licked her knee clean, or at least that's what he thought that he was doing. They were like, I don't know, like five, six. They weren't old. How old do you think that they are now? Like it. I would say fourteen, maybe. That's. So I'd say bad. they're right around like Kosei and them's age, and July and April. Yeah, considering maybe what a little bit Barbara, older. That's really young. Yeah. Yeah, it's really odd. Really weird. I mean, I get it because of the isolation and everything. Let's say they're 16. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go for that. Yeah. I don't and know. also, you you also learn about Zero Two's favorite book. Yes. Which is titled after the title of this episode. And it's because of this book that Hiro and Zero Two bond as well. Because as they're running away, Hiro is reading this book. To zero two and that book is the most precious thing to zero two yes yeah it was her first pretty thing um and she can't read or speak english or anything like that at this point she's been raised not raised she's been kept in an isolation room her entire existence up until this point really mm -hmm. and and so this is kind of her first real interaction with a human being at and least a nice interaction with yeah, a human being absolutely yeah and so she kind of equates the boy to being the prince. That's that's what she believes as a child. And anyway, they catch them. And when they catch them, they take his memories away and they try and take her memories away. But she absolutely refuses to let them go. And she ends up doing things that are really like extreme to be able to hold on to her memories, like actually physically eating the picture book to try and keep her memories. Um, and she wants to become human, like in the book. She wants to be like the beast in the book who became human. But her doing all of this, while she's doing all of this, while these flashbacks are happening, these are actually the memories that are now being sucked into Hero's brain because of how far that Zero Two is pushing him while they're in the frog's machine. And, and it causes him to not regain his memories, but he absorbs her memories now and is able to understand that that was him because of his own memories right yes because once they lose memories they don't regain them mm -hmm. and but this was like this was him finally being able to remember them because it's like a haze that they put him in to where they just basically fog out those memories yeah but he was able to regain them similar to <clears throat> and it's also because of this that he was able to regain his memories of the promise that he made with mitsuru mm -hmm. as well 
Yeah. And also, the first time I watched this, cry count number one. Really? Mm-hmm. I cried in the next episode, and that's the only time I cried while watching. Then maybe it was episode 13, but whenever, like, they just have that full realization of who each other are, I was like, I'm being a crying little bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah. And then episode 15 as well, I think I shed a couple tears. Yeah, for me it was episode 14, the one in between these two. That was when mm. I cried. Episode 14, Punishment and Confession. Hero is seriously injured because of Zero Two and the team separate them. They put him in a uh, isolation ward where he's like healing and stuff. And they take her back to the house and they refuse to let her go. They have guards on everything. They have guards on him because they know that he wants to go back to her. They have separated them. And Zero Two, and in doing so, in, in separating them and how they act, around zero two they end up pushing her so far that she lashes out and attacks the rest of the team which happens strategically when zero walks back into the room and sees what she's done and says for the first time because he's been the only person that has never seen her as a monster like her horns don't freak him out she's never been concerned like he's never been concerned about that and this is the first time that he he says to her you're acting like a monster and and it's really sad (laughs) Because, like, it is. he's the only person that saw her as human. And she just wanted to be human so bad. And and that's what he says. But I understand why, because she literally took out every single member of his team. But And he didn't know for he didn't no know reason. Now, granted, he didn't mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. But still, like, he walks in as she's about to do God knows what to Ichigo. Yeah. But I may have shed a couple tears over this one as well. It just doesn't stand out as... Yeah promptly to me i remember feeling very uneasy watching this episode whenever i watched it the first time mm-hmm. yeah and it uh, also this episode was one that i was talking about in the previous podcast or whatever whenever we first talked about it about how the entire fan base turned on ichigo after this episode because of her confession to hero yeah yeah which actually yeah so so um Anyway, uh, Zero Two ends up leaving for Squad Nine, where she will uh, go through Stamen like crazy all over again. And Ichigo confesses her love for Hiro and kisses him. And and poor Goro. Yeah, he he saw it. He witnessed it. Yeah, and I just like I was with the rest of the fan base on this. Like I just saw it as Ichigo just being extremely selfish and not caring about anybody else's feelings. I agree. I saw it that way as well. I was just like, ah, uh, baka. <laughs> Episode 15. Jian? 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 I don't know. Jian? Jian? <laughs> no clue. A huge fight begins as the adults won't let them take back... Well, uh, as a hu- uh, Okay, a huge fight begins as the adults want them to take back an area that will allow them to basically create the turnaround of humanity. The squad are doing well with their hodgepodge kind of group of tactics. But another squad ends up having to sacrifice themselves, and Squad 9 aren't human. Plantation 13 is under attack, and Hero comes out in a training suit and tries to communicate with a broken and really upset in monster form Zero Two. When he was younger, they tried to uh, escape, and he licked her wound meaning, wound, meaning that it was possible like making it impossible to be able to only use a franks with her and he ends up and he ends up managing to get to zero two he tells her that it's okay and that he's sorry um she feels guilty about pushing him so far and they hug um and promise to talk about it they also claim their love for each other 
And Ichigo backs off, accepting that she won't be with Hiro. And it's yeah, very cute. definitely, definitely big crybaby yeah. moment for me. Yeah, this is when I'm and this, such a helpless romantic. Ah, oh, leave me alone. Yeah, and it was the previous episode where um, Zero Two figured out that Hiro was the boy from her childhood. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Episode thirteen, whenever doesn't matter. They both had the realization at the same time. But since because of when it happened, they didn't have a chance to talk to one another about it. So that little reconciliation moment in the cockpit was it was sweet, nice and adorable. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Episode 16. I feel like there's something else I want to talk about, but now I can't remember what the fuck it was. Because mm-hmm. uh, was it brain? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Continue on. Episode 16, Days of Our Lives. This is the one with the trigger warning for uh, dietary restrictions, eating disorders, that kind of stuff. Just throwing that out there. Squad 13 had been abandoned by um, the Doctor and Papa. Um, and so it was, they were kind of like, they basically were told, um, you're on standby and left them. That's it. And they, they, the reason why they're doing so is because of, they put them in another experiment. The water was turning foul, food was being rationed, and the mysterious caretakers were gone. With the command, yeah, there was just the command to stand by, no further word. The group worked together on chores and finding food, but... Poor Futoshi has been dieting, kind of. Not dieting, but he says that he's dieting. And Zorame is really worried about him and confronts him. And uh, it turns out that he was actually, like, kind of borderline bulimic. Not not healthy. Big hugs. Yeah, big big hugs. Mm-hmm. He's, he's such a sweetheart he's such of a, a sweetheart. character. He's, he, he reminds me of, like, a baker. <laughs> like, he actually becomes a baker, doesn't he, at the very end? I think so, yeah. Uh, there's a, I think it's the second Cinderella Disney film. I'm trying to remember back to my very young childhood. I think it's Cinderella 2. I think it's Anastasia, one of the the stepsisters, falls in love with mm-hmm. one of the bakers in town. And he reminds me of that baker a lot. So you know who he reminds me of? Who? Sasha from Attack on Titan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, Potato Girl. But instead of potatoes, it's with bread. Yeah. And the only reason I say this is because I think it was in like episode 11 or 12, whenever he rolls out of bed with like hugging just a giant loaf of bread. <laughs> it was at that point I was like, oh my God, it's Sasha. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you don't know him, think of him as like a giant squishy teddy bear. Like he is just a soft old dude who is absolutely head over heels in love with Kokoro. So much so he makes the ultimate sacrifice later on and and lets her go. He lets her be happy, even though he loves her so much. And it's so sad. And yet I also think this was the point where you were probably laughing uncontrollably. Yeah, that was also the point. That was <laughs> it. That was all my emotions. I didn't care about the couple. I was like, screw them. The, uh, laughing uncontrollably at the really awful symbolism. And uh, and then being sad for him because he was trying to be as supportive as he could, despite the fact that it was so painful. Mm-hmm. Zero Two has been much perkier lately and is kinder to the members of Squad. She has... She's, like, really happy now. She's got a place where she truly belongs. And uh, Miku has a secret grey patch in her hair. And Ikuno has been getting sick again. She's, like, not doing very healthy. Oh, this is what I wanted to talk about in episode 15. Yeah. So the squad that sacrificed themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you realize, but it was squad 26 from earlier on in the show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed, but, like, all of their hair was grayed out. Oh, I hadn't noticed. Mm-hmm. So you could definitely tell that something was up with, like, artificially, like, quickly aging. Yeah. So that was... And I no- I vaguely remember noticing it the first time, but watching it through this time, I was like, holy shit. 
like they are like it's very subtle but it definitely tells you like something's up because the last time you see the squad they all have black hair and yeah like super macho but now they're just like all look tired and worn out and that's not just because of the battle yeah yeah no i didn't notice that they had all had gray hair um, yeah but yeah hero basically bands them all together is like we're gonna do just fine without the rest of them because hero has kind of been rebelling rebelling against papa since he was really really young he just didn't remember it because of he'd had his memories distorted but he is like the only one from a long time ago that's like this is odd and Zero Two completely hates Papa and the adults. She's not into it. So she's kind of like confirming his prior suspicions. Uh, episode 17, Eden. So, okay, um, babies is my first line of notes. <laughs> so basically, um, yeah, Squad 9 shows up and they discover Kokoro's book. And uh, Kokoro tried to like persuade Mitsuru to make a baby. Everyone ends up finding out. It's horribly embarrassing. Squad 9 finds out, and they uh, are not very nice about it. Alpha, who is the leader of Squad 9, also finds out that Nana, who is like the... Uh, there's like a um, male and a female uh, like adult, I guess, that um, look over the Overseers, group Overseers, supervisors, whatever yeah, you want to call them. Yeah, supervisors. Yeah, they look over the group. Um, and Nana is the female role. That's what they called her. And she, they found out, find out that her emotions are back, that she has emotions um, and that she's going through puberty. Uh, and and uh, he says that he's going to report it to Papa. Kokoro Mitsuru do the dirty and Squad Knight get reported about the, the baby thing. They, they, re- they report the, the baby thing. That's episode 17. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. But, like, I completely get it because they're so isolated. Like, it makes sense. It's just weird. Yeah, it's real weird. Episode 18, When the Sakura Blooms. Kokoro and Mitsuru hold a wedding. They are fully in love with each other. And this is where I say that Fudishi loves her so much. He's like, I'm going to officiate the wedding. Because up until this point, he's been super against their relationship. But he, at this point, is like, I... I'm, I love you so much that I want you to be happy. So he officiates the wedding for them. And it's really weird, but also very sweet. And they all prepare everything together and do it just like the picture in Zero Two's book. That's how they know what a wedding is, is because at the end of the fairy tale book, they got married. Um, and so they kind of know what a wedding is and they're kind of basing it off of these pictures in the picture book. But uh, yeah, then um, there is a, the symbolism here that I'm talking about <laughs> is in this episode. <laughs> And I did, did you pick up on this or is it just a me thing that picked up on this? I mean, I got it, but like, I don't think it registered as much with me as it did with you. Cause whenever you pointed it out to me, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. But I didn't mm-hmm. die over it like you did. Yeah. Well, it, I got it immediately and I started laughing a lot. And I think that might just be like a, a you're a dude and I'm a girl. So it, it might resonate <laughs> with me more. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, so... Mitsuru makes these rings for the wedding so they can exchange these rings. Um, and she puts his on his finger and it slides on real smooth. And then uh, he gets to her and he goes to put the ring on her finger and it stops on her knuckle. And she says something like, I'm okay, keep pushing or something. And he pushes the ring further on her finger and like forces it on, even though she's like wincing. And I was like, yeah, okay, we got it. She lost her virginity last night. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> And it made me, I just started laughing. And immediately after this, Squad 9 comes in with all of these bad guys. They take the couple away. They're kicking and screaming. And I'm still sitting there laughing my ass off about this really blatant symbolism that is just shoved into your face. 
and I'm laughing and I'm, it's, I'm finding it so funny and these guys are like kicking screaming zero to is fighting off all these guards and bad guys and I can't stop laughing and I'm feeling guilty about the fact that I'm laughing because of this symbolism uh it was really it was it was emotions dude <laughs> um but yeah eventually the couple ends up coming back and when they come back they have literally no memory of each other they both believe that each other is a new member of the squad they they don't know each other but they actually they still have the rings on their fingers uh but like that's the only memory like they don't have any memory they just have this ring um episode 19 in humanity this episode shows the doctor's story and how humanity became to be this way they show how um, they ended up achieving immortality with the magma energy that they drew out of the earth and how the Klaxosaurs started attacking uh, the specific magma ports and then everyone else. It shows the doctor when he was younger, it shows him with his wife, it shows that his wife actually died testing the initial stages of, stages of the Franks machines. And it, uh, and then you're also confirmed, we're also confirmed that the couple from last episode, their memories have officially been fully erased, not blocked off, so they can't refine their memories, they've, they've erased them. They don't have them anymore. Because they asked the team asked them to reverse them, and they're like, "I'm sorry, we can't. We didn't block them off. We erased them." They also uh, ask their papa what the heck is going on with them. Like, if if they have a life outside of this, and papa doesn't respond. Zero two is also. It's also found out that zero two was made in a lab by the doctor with the DNA of the Claxor Claxosaur princess. So she's a clone. Papa agrees to set the squad thirteen free if they complete this final mission supposedly a lot happens in episode 19 this is also whenever shit starts to kick off into a pack everything in shitstorm. yeah this it kind of started after episode 15 but this is where they start to ramp it up another notch yeah this it, from this point on it gets hard to know what's going on and i'm not i'm not saying that like in a like you have to pay attention kind of way like some like films are, are good like that some films and tv series is like you have to pay attention and it makes them good that you have to pay attention this is just confusing, even if you pay attention. Like, if Darling and the Frogs had ended at episode 15, perfect. <laughs> yeah. But no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it gets it gets way more confusing. Um, uh, for instance, episode 20. Um, aliens? Yeah, it was all aliens all along. Just, it, it, you know, episode 20 episodes in. We got four episodes left. And now it's about aliens. And now we're going to space. So, um, <laughs> aliens, uh, turns out the Klaxosaurs are actually giant mecha robots too that were piloted by Klaxosapiens, a species of underground humanoid. And that were also split off into two different species, one of which that returned to the Earth and created the magma. So the magma energy that they've been drawing out of the Earth to pilot everything is actually the body and blood and soul of these Klaxosaurs sapien people. The princess takes Hero and uh, the Stratagelia, the Stratagelia thing, I don't know, the, the, the specific giant mecha robot that they're in, to fight the space people who were actually Papa and, uh, who were actually Papa all along. Papa was a space person. He was an alien. He doesn't have a body. He is, there is no body to him. He has abandoned his body. Humans aren't a thing. Uh, Kokoro has morning sickness. And yeah, their their brains are fighting to regain their memories or are fighting against their memories. They don't, their brains don't like saying each other's names. So they get pain through their brain. They were fighting Klaxosaurs with modified Klaxosaurs and the princess and hero will explode. Episode 20. <laughs> Did you understand? Because I didn't. Uh, watching it through the second time, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> like it's so, I like try to take notes for these next few episodes was so hard. 
because I was like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, what? Well, I, I don't know. Like for me, all the way up until episode 24, watching it through the first time, I absolutely adored the show. Yeah. And then episode 24 absolutely killed me. <clears throat> like it made me so angry. I, I had no words. Like I've never had a show just royally piss me off so much with how it ended. Yeah. Watching it through this time, that's where I definitely, like, put the divider at episode 15. To where I was just like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, everything just kind of, <laughs> everything really starts to fall apart here. Yeah, I honestly- So I slowly started ticking off more points from episode 15 on. Yeah, I, I genuinely was not expecting at all for them to be like, and aliens. I wasn't either. I was, I was like... just like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then- Episode 23, whatever we get to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's that's it's interesting. Anyway, episode 21, for you, my love. The battle continues. Zero team manages to make it to the Stresselia upgraded. Um, with the help and possible sacrifice of all of the other squad members. Squad 9 um, are actually made from her clones. They are clones of clones. And uh, the princess sacrifices herself, staking the continuation of the planet on Zero Two and Hero. They ward off the Vard or I don't know, whatever they are, alien race. Uh, but they promise to return and we'll come back with our army. Zero Two is dead? Question mark. She got turned to stone. Uh, not quite yet. Uh, episode 22, Stargazers, everyone survives the battle and are now doing their best to rebuild. Um, but none of the farms are working. Nothing is working. They're not getting any uh, if, like contact from Papa because Papa doesn't exist because he was actually an alien this whole time. Because <laughs> the soil is ruined, they can't actually use any of the, grow any of the farms. So they decide to go back to the house that they were all kind of raised in. Because the earth there was actual, uh, like, earth from many, many years ago as well. The children that didn't pass pass any of the tests or anything were actually frozen, like, um, cryogenically frozen in, in tanks. And so they all unfreeze all of them, and now they have a lot more help. Zero Two's mind is still synced with the Klaxus or Strelazidia. So Hero wants to go and get her mind back. Kokoro is confirmed that she is Proganonant. And everyone decides to go into space to get Zero Two back, except for Kokoro and Mitsuru, because he's going to take care of her because she's Proganonant, and she's like, it's okay, you don't even remember anything, like, what, you don't need to take responsibility. And he's like, it's not about taking responsibility, I want to live for you and the baby, um, even though he doesn't know who she is anymore. Including, uh, but yes, uh, three members of Squad 9 are also going too, they're all dying because they don't, they can't be around for maintenance because the doctor is dead, so they're all dying, so they go to for a suicide mission. Because why not? Now they're in space. Who doesn't love a good suicide mission? Yeah. Um, and in space. <laughs> so, <laughs> Darling of the Frogs, episode 23. Kokoro and Mitsuru don't remember a thing, but they find each other again. And uh, as her baby, uh, as her and the baby become his reason to fight to live. Hero breaks through to Zero Two and she becomes the giant fucking robot. <laughs> she just, that's it. That's written in caps in my notes. In my note says... Hero breaks through to Zero Two and she becomes the giant fucking robot. <laughs> this is where Blue texts me and I was dying. Like, what? No. She just becomes the robot? Just her body melts away on Earth. She turns to stone on Earth. She becomes a statue. 
and she becomes the frog's machine. And he is inside. Well, I mean, uh, there you go. This is what I'm talking about with the weird innuendos throughout this show. Because he's like, I'm so happy to be inside you. And I'm like, okay, innuendo. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's so many throughout this show. But he's like piloting her now. He is piloting her. And he, uh, okay. They go through a portal. Good, they go through a giant portal to stop an explosion or something. I don't fucking know. Um, and and everyone else returns to Earth except for Squad 9 because they all died. Um and and they're just like, okay, yeah. And everyone's like, well, take your time. Make sure you come back to Earth, okay? You're part of Squad 13. You have to come back. And she's a giant robot now. And so <laughs> they go through this portal and they're traveling through space. They go to the end of the universe. The end of the universe to go find this alien dude. And and everyone else just goes back to Earth and it's like, okay, cool, fam. It's fine. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Episode 24, Never Let Me Go. Hero and Zero Two nearly die whilst fi- fighting. She's a machine. But it's all okay, don't worry about it though. Because they, although they nearly die, you know, they've been fighting in space for like eight years at this point. Um, and, uh, and like literally she's just like slowly floating through space, just firing lasers off and exploding things to her left and right. And he's just sleeping in the cab. Like, that's it. That's the, I've been fighting for eight years. That's what they're doing. Um, and, uh, but it's okay that they nearly die though, because, um, everyone on earth just prays for them and then they're fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can't make this shit up. Like, I can't. (laughs) She's not making this shit up. <laughs> they just pray. They just pray. And it their voices reach them on the other side of the fucking universe. And they're just like, oh, I can hear everyone's voices. I'm fine now. Let me kill the boss. And so they do. And then their bodies they're, are destroyed. So their souls fly back to Earth, but not before her stone statue on Earth cracks and a small sapling is underneath that eventually grows into a giant sakura tree. And then everyone else is like coupled up and they're having babies and Zoro is fucking... Um, Goro, sorry, is fucking smooth. He's, he puts the smooth moves on Ichigo. Like, Goro is... That suave kiss. He was suave. Um... That's the best part of this episode, is his suave kiss. And uh, everyone makes babies. They all couple up. Um, and uh, the two like caretakers of all of the kids are immortal, so they're just living for forever. He doesn't have any emotions, but he kind of does have emotions. He just doesn't have emotions, and I ship them. The two of them. They, they're shipped. Um, but anyway, the sacral tree grows. And they end up getting reincarnated. And the kids just meet under a reincarnated tree, and they never meet anybody else again. Now they're in, like, in Tokyo, and it's fine. And that's the end of the show. This is so fucked. (laughs) Oh, it's an acid trip. It's such an acid trip. You get to like the last like four episodes, especially five episodes. But like, she just becomes the fucking robot. Like what the fuck, dude? They go to, oh, it was actually aliens all along. Not just aliens, but aliens that don't have a body. And we want you to not have bodies either. Oh, you want your bodies? Okay, we're gonna wage an eternal war. Okay, I'm the princess. I'm now putting all of the uh, life of Earth on these two kids. Um, 
And one of them is my clone. Okay, off you go into space. Oh, just kidding, your body's down here, but your mind's in space. Oh, don't worry, your boyfriend will go and save you. Okay, he goes to save you. Oh, now you're a giant robot and he's piloting you and there's a giant innuendo. He has turned blue now, that's fun. And um, uh, and you're gonna fight all these aliens. Okay, send all your squad back home because they don't need to be here anymore. We're gonna go through a portal, then we're gonna shoot some dudes. Then we're gonna forget that we need to shoot these dudes and we're gonna get tired and sleepy. And then everyone on earth is gonna pray for us and it's gonna be fine. And so we're going to go, oh, okay, they prayed for us, so I'm good now. Uh, even though I have a giant hole in my body. And um, then I'm going to fight these guys. Um, I'm going to kill them, but I didn't actually kill them because they promised for more revenge uh, so that we could possibly have a sequel. And um, uh, and now we're going to fly all the way back to Earth in, in our souls in, in a little blue and red light. And then we're going to end up at Earth and then we're going to get reincarnated underneath the giant sacral tree. And it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Seven. <laughs> Freaking like... Four. I don't know, like a freaking four. That end was so bad. Uh, no, nah, honestly, it probably sits at like a six, if I'm being real. There's a... It, it would be a seven if episode 24 wasn't so shit. <laughs> like, the ending just felt like a true cop-out was... to me. It's like, I've run out of ideas. Let's pray for them and let's have their souls come back, turn into a tree, and then let them be reborn and hang out under the tree to where they meet up. It's it's this is why I say it's like a Wattpad story. Because some some fourteen year old girl wrote this in her in her parents' house, crying about a boy. Oh, I will say, okay, I'm gonna give it an extra point. I put it a four, I'm gonna give it a five. Reason why I'm gonna give it a five is because they had some casual lesbian representation in there, and I am here for it. I stan, stan. Hmm. So yeah, I give it a five. Because of Ikino. I feel that. Yeah. I did think that was really nifty. It was really nice. It was really nice to see that they just included it, not for, like, anything other than it's coming of age, teenagers being teenagers, and one of them happens to be gay. It was nice. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was. They they had a lot of really good representation in the show. They did a lot for, like, kind of, especially later on, kind of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, like. You think the show's going to go one way, and then they kind of turn it on its head with the gender stereotypes? Yeah, agreed. So, they did some really nifty stuff with the show. Yeah, like Alpha, sure. the leader of um, uh, Squad 9, isn't a stamen. He's a, whatever the name of the other one is. A pistol. A pistol. And that was, like, that was the thing with all the Nines, except for Zero Two. All of the rest of the Nines, like the males were pistols, and the females were the stamens. Well, yeah, they, and there was, I think with Alpha, it was two males, because they were explaining that with them, they can be either pistols or stamen. They, mm -hmm. they don't need the male and female compatibility because of the fact that they were a clone. Yeah, it was, they did a lot of really cool stuff, but at the same time, my god, they fucked up a lot of stuff. Yeah, the ending is just bizarre. It's bizarre. And it feels really rushed, and it feels really immature, and it feels really... Like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, you know? And it doesn't feel well thought out or well written at all. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. upsetting because the first half is really well written. Mm-hmm. Like, like we talked about, everything up to episode 15, and even through episode 15, if it had stopped with the end of episode 15, I could easily sit here with my help, with my, like, sappy, help look romantic ass and just be like, 10. Solid 10. Yeah. Great love story. Great character building, whole nine yards. Yeah, if they had stopped it at episode 15 and then done a second season where they had explained this shit and took out the fucking aliens, you don't, we don't need aliens. Yeah, just make it to where <clears throat> Ape like, 
was they overrun like the, the government. Mass- just have yeah, it. like some just stupid shit like that. Not aliens. My God. Yeah, they team up. They they figure out that the human government is actually really not good, which they're not. They decide that they are like uh, the corrupt society. They figure out that these um, Klaxosaurs are actually humanoids, like Klaxosapiens. So they go and find this underground race and they team up with them to overthrow the human government and then they live in peace and harmony between the humans that they then get to regain their emotions and stuff and they take the earth back to its natural order and get rid of all of this crazy shit. Like, that would have been fine. I would have been satisfied with that. It's it's fairly simple plotline, but it works. Yeah, like, they build, like, an absolutely fascinating world with so many avenues they could have went down, all the spinoffs yeah. that they could have done. Like, I very easily could have done with the spinoff of Hiro and Zero Two's, like, reincarnated selves. And I could have done with the spinoff of Goro going on his adventures at the end, where he's like, I've got to go find other children and, and different plantations and stuff around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could have done with that as well. More Goro, please. Yeah, more Goro. Take F- uh, Futoshi with you, because Futoshi is comedic relief, and we love him. Yes. Also, Zorame. I enjoyed Zorame's character. I like. I really do ship him and Miku, because they're so similar. Oh, they are, without a doubt, perfect for one another. Like, yeah, that and that's what really he says. He's like, ah, oh, when he's, like, meeting with the lady who has no emotions, he's like, oh, she's so annoying and loud and gross and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, it sounds like you need a new partner then. He's like, no, because I think I'm the only one that can handle her, and I kind of, like, don't mind that about her. It was, and it's cute. It was, it was really cute. The dynamic between all of them was awesome. Yeah. Honestly, I could have done with a slice of life of just Plantation Thirteen. Yeah, I want to know about Ikino and her her partner, her girl, because mm-hmm. she ends up becoming like a doctor. Yeah, and like she's trying to what was it? Find a cure to keep all the parasites from aging. Yeah. So there, there was a lot like. I need more answers. I don't need the bullshit that they gave us after episode 15. Just expand on the ideas that we already have, please. Okay, thanks. Yeah, why did you have to go to Aliens? <laughs> why is it? Why because did you have to Because people will buy that? that. Okay, the whole world's gone to shit. Why Aliens? Why like, Aliens? I feel like why that dude to... with the afro on the History Channel would be all over this shit. <laughs> Like, I don't understand. It's like, okay, you're watching, like, Food Wars, and then all of a sudden this really good competitor comes in, he defeats everyone, and you're like, oh my god, what's up with this this character in Food Wars? It's like, ah, he was an alien. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not established anywhere throughout this world that this is aliens. It was just, oh, and aliens are here as well. Uh, why where did it come from why is it that four episodes from the end of the series aliens are introduced yeah so let's just let's just take a point off for since there are four episodes that were shit and we have arrived at six (laughs) yeah i i'm at a five i give it i give it a five because 50 percent of it was decent 50 percent of it was just fucked (laughs) so fucked well okay okay it was like 60 percent of it was decent 40% 40% was fucked, but because the 40% of it was fucked, it, it takes away 50% because it was so bad. <laughs> so believe. I'm at a five. <laughs> oh. What the fuck, dude? Like, I'm still tripping over this. But, mate, are you excited, though? Am I? Because next week starts music month. Oh, yeah, that is exciting. Music month. So next week, Liz and the Bluebird, to those who are unaware, it is a spinoff of the Sound Euphonium 
series and it was it was a really interesting and good time the kind of story and everything they build around two of the or the two main characters for the films but two of the i guess side characters for the actual show i've never seen sound euphonium but the way they animate instruments so good i think i'm excited think kyoto animation is the one who did sound euphonium i'm not sure if they did liz and the bluebird but i'll have an answer for that next week Mm-hmm. But yeah, next week starts Music Month. I'm excited. We have a lot of really awesome stuff set up to cover, although we're ending it on a, I wouldn't say a sour note, but a very heartbreaking note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we're we not going to be okay for the last episode of September. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. Now, are you ready for the part that we forgot last week, but remembered at the very last second? Am I? Oh, yeah. Uh, Plugs. (laughs) Plugs. So you can find the absolutely lovely Blue Lavender streaming Monday through Saturday, except for Wednesday, because that's whenever we're supposed to record this thing of a podcast. Mm -hmm. She streams from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. You can also find her on Twitter and Instagram sometimes at... (laughs) blue lavender stm (laughs) she also runs an absolutely adorable instagram for the bestest being in the whole world her dog tilly at the adorable or at fucking hell at the best tilly bean (laughs) yes that is me that is correct okay yeah um and if you want to follow brad he doesn't really do much anymore because he used to be on twitch but he has taken a break but you can fi- follow him there in case he does some random streams whenever he feels like it at brad carter gaming he is also on instagram at brad carter gaming he doesn't have a twitter but he does run our twitter when i forget which is all the time and he also runs our instagram as well at bnb anime on both of those we also have a youtube channel where all of our episodes of the podcast are previously put with some really really pretty cool thumbnails so if you guys are interested in watching or listening to us on our previous archived episodes you can head on over to our youtube channel which is bnb anime as well we're bnb anime on everything you can also head on over to our website if you want to know a little bit more about us we have an about us section there we also have friends of the show uh we also have um other things about us the links to videos voice acting stuff artwork all kinds of different stuff is all on the website as well as all of our links to spotify apple itunes whatever it is where all of the podcast is um are all linked there along with all of our previous archived episodes be sure to remember to check our social medias tomorrow because brad is going to be on that podcast that we were talking about earlier the tales from the fandom And we're going to be retweeting and relinking and everything like that, all of that. So if you guys are interested in listening to him on that podcast or listening to Tails' podcast in general about all of the different people that he gets on for um, the fandom stuff, then absolutely please do check him out. Uh, The links will be all over our social media tomorrow. So yeah, for sure. Check that out. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Check us out next week for the beginning of Music Month with Liz and the Bluebird. But until then, bye-bye! Bye!